It's the Flyers Forecast with Steve Jacob and Craig Forsythe taking a look at your Flyers week ahead. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Flyers Forecast. I am Steve Jacob. This is Craig Forsythe and this is our first playoff edition of the Flyers Forecast. Yes, we had one for the round robin, but the round robin, well, it might count statistically for the playoffs, not quite the playoffs as Gary Bettman tried to justify on the la- draft lottery tonight for the first overall pick. You know, it's, it's not the same thing. It's just the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. So these winning teams actually are not playoff teams. All right, Gary, whatever helps you sleep at night, bud, whatever helps you sleep at night, Craig, how you feeling? I mean, so right now we're doing this an hour after the uh, Rangers won't offer an air. So I guess a little, uh, pissed about that, but overall, I don't fucking care. Right now, I'm pretty pumped about the Flyers. The Flyers are looking pretty good. Looking I mean, that was clearly good. a conspiracy for. Oh, year, right? yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the way the guy dropped the ball and then picked it back up. Oh, it was the Rangers' ball, and they won it. Hmm. <laughs> Real heavy there, huh? Huh? Yeah, heavy, well, heavy ball. I mean, uh, you know, it's not like they've know? recently won the draft lottery or anything. So there's nothing. That... Oh, they did last Carol year. And HR. And get this all figured out. <laughs> Carol, Carol. Who knows if the Rangers really rigged it or not. But the Metro suspiciously gets a Another number of these first round picks. where Or these first overall picks. Whereas, you know, say like the Wild or the Predators. Two franchises that really could desperately need some star power. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think the Wild and Preds would have been two places he could have gone. Where uh, I don't think a lot of people would have been pissed. Uh, especially the Wild. The Wild never have top 10 picks uh and they are never good like they're never really a dangerous team so uh you know they're about to go through a little bit of uh restructuring here so i think they could have used him and nashville too is another team that could use a little bit of fanfare when it comes to getting a draft pick but whatever i mean rangers still on defense they're still they're getting closer i mean they do have a lot of young talent there um and I, now they're moving on from Longquist. They'll be scary in a little bit, I guess. But like, uh, doesn't it? I'm, at I'm least not, it wasn't the Penguins, right? Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't Pittsburgh. And also, I don't really we don't have to worry about that right now. They still have they still got to figure out their whole defense uh, outside of Adam Fox. And uh, right now, they're not in the playoffs. The Flyers are. The Flyers are in the playoffs. I want to focus on the, the Flyers, Flyers are not only in the playoffs, Craig, but oh, the Flyers. Baby are your first overall seed in the East first overall seed. Uh, and oh, wow. we, we kept, well, indeed. And we kept saying oh, wow. it during the, uh, before the round robin, everything started that the flowers are in the best position and could only go up. And that's exactly what happened. Came in fourth, swept the round robin, finished on top. Uh, they beat the lightning four to one on Saturday to finish first, uh, in the Eastern conference, the lightning finished second and we'll take on, the Columbus Blue Jackets, so good luck with that. Uh, and then the Cavs finished third. They'll take on the Islanders. And the Bruins finished fourth to take on the Hurricanes. So all those, I mean, all those uh, series are pretty interesting. I mean, they've all played each other recently in the playoffs. And uh, I I don't know. The way the Boston's looked, uh, I don't know. Wouldn't put the Hurricanes down exactly yet. Uh, I think they have a chance of being Boston. And uh, oh, I think that's going to be a good series. Yeah, I think all of them could. I mean... Honestly, I think this series, the Flyers Canadian series, might be the series that is going to be the least closest. It's going to be the one that there's obviously, I, that would be my guess. Uh, looking at the other matchups, just because, I mean, Columbus did all right against the Lightning last year, uh, and then the Islanders and Caps are kind of, 
I mean, I, I can see how that series would be close. And uh, the Caps really don't make things easy in the postseason. Like, they'll beat teams, but they usually drag things out until the sixth or seventh game. It's never really, like, I don't know. Oh, the Caps are the kings of seven-game series. Yeah, they're like the... They're, they're kind not the of... kings of winning them, necessarily, but the kings <laughs> yeah. of getting into them. Yeah, I just, like, kind of, I don't know. Like, I feel, what was it? They had the comeback uh, 2018. They won the Cup in... Well, they won the Cup in five games, but they came back and beat the Lightning in six, beat the Penguins in six. Like, it was never... Anyway... Yeah, all the series are going to be good, but the Flyers, I think the Flyers, uh, they should have the biggest advantage on the Canadians, but I don't think it's going to look that way, if that makes sense. I think, uh, well, let's get into it. You want to talk about the series or the schedule first? Like, the, you want to talk about X's and O's or when people should get ready for the series? Well, let's start it off by talking about when people should get ready for this. Get, yeah. Getting ready for some hockey! And I can run down the schedule real quick. Oh, yeah, here we go. Wednesday night party when all your <laughs> mo- moderately rowdy friends are coming over for hockey. A uh, couple friends. They'll leave at a decent hour because they got to work the next day. But they actually can't come over, so they're just going to be socially distanced or, you know, Zoom zooming in. Yeah. yeah, Zoom call, you drink a couple beers, and then that's it, yeah. Which is totally the same. You know, you're not going to be worrying about having <laughs> different levels of feeds, right? Where, you know, one guy's got the game coming in on the internet, so it's a little slower. The other guy's got to come it in. <laughs> no, nothing like that'll happen at all. That no, sounds terrible. Ugh, but whatever you and your moderately rowdy friends are doing, Wednesday night <laughs> is when the series starts. Wednesday, 8 p.m., NBCSN, then... Game two, Friday, 3 p.m. on NBC. Yeah, that's a big one. SN. That's a 3 p.m. game. So I don't know if you got to call out sick. I don't know if you're just going to work through it. But, you know, it's it's Friday afternoon hockey, and I am here for it. I'll yeah. figure it out. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be watching that. I'll be front and center. I'm ready for that one. But that is... Then uh... some reason... For some reason, Sunday's game is at 8 p.m. on NBC. I, you know, the 3 p.m. came on Friday and then the 8 p.m. came on Sunday. That's that's madness. I'll take it. I mean, I like it. That's fine. I mean, I, I uh, you know, Friday at 3 is fine for me. That's going to be, I think that's going to be the one game in the series that people are just going to have to, I mean, Tuesday at 3 exactly isn't easier. It isn't uh, any easier, but uh, that might be, uh, I, I don't know if this is a, uh, I'm fine with Friday at three. I think Sunday at eight is is a little much. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair. But I guess uh, I mean, it looks like uh, we're still going to get a lot of the early games too. I mean, it looks like they're starting at three now instead of noon, which makes sense. Uh, I'm still waiting on just prime time because I'm trying to get shit done during the day. But uh, the three p.m. starts are interesting, and I will. I mean, I don't think it's going to change in the approach or anything. I mean, I think we're just going to see the same. Same type of game. Oh, no. I mean, they've yeah. been dealing with differing times the entire time. I'm yeah. talking as a viewer. I don't, you know. Oh, yeah. Who's going <laughs> to yeah. prepare it's for just it worth... whatever? Yeah. They're in the bubble. They're in the bubble. And once you're in the bubble, you adapt to the bubble or you die. You become oh, the bubble. That's way to yeah. phrase it, but, you know, you become that's the bubble. Better, yeah. That's a better yeah. way to phrase it. That's yeah. a lot better, right? <laughs> Ahem. Yeah. So but, game uh, one Wednesday, game two Friday, game three Sunday at 8 p.m., game four Tuesday at 3 p.m. If there's a game five, it'll be back-to-back on Wednesday. But, you know, that's what the forecast next week's for. Uh, game five, Wednesday the 19th. Game six, Friday the 21st. And game seven, Sunday the 23rd. So largely sticking with the same days of the week, with the exception of game four. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
I mean, I just, I, I just, I want to talk about the series now. Let's let's get into the series because I think it's it's gonna be a weird one to me because the Flyers have more talent. They're the more skilled team. Uh, I think they're better down the middle. I think their system is more effective, and the Flyers are able to play it to a T better than the Canadians can play theirs. And uh, I think a lot of the stuff, I think the Penguins helped out the Habs more than people want to give, not the Penguins credit, but I guess point out that the Penguins kind of didn't have a great series against Montreal. But I think that the Habs really played about as well as they could have against the Penguins, and the Penguins didn't necessarily bring their A game. So I think uh, that's a good way to put definitely it. Yeah. a combination of the Penguins not really showing up for uh, clutch time and Montreal being uh, prepared and Carey Price catching fire, being well-rested, nappy time for Carey. And <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, and Would so you I... say, before we, we move on with this conversation, would you say that this is the ideal matchup for the Flyers here? This is really, if you... You know, if you're Chucky oh. Two Trades here, if you're Chuck Fletcher, if you're Big Al, Lane Van Yo, is this the matchup you were looking for out of all the Eastern Conference matchups? So out of all the Eastern Conference matchups that could have gotten, I'm just going to say yes because they're playing the 12th seed. Uh, but I think, like, the way it works out is the Flyers should crush them, and I think the series is never going to actually be in doubt. But I think the way the Canadians are built, it's not going to be as easy as... Like, you would think that the Flyers should just walk in there and crush them every game, but I think the game is going to be a lot closer, and I think the Flyers are ultimately going to win in, like, five games. But they could be lower scoring, and there could be times where it gets a little anxious late in games because either Carey Price is keeping the team in it or the the Canadians' deaths have just been able to kind of break even with the Flyers, and they're not able to get through. Like, there are – the Canadians don't have top-end talent. So there's really nobody to kind of hone in on and take away from them to succeed offensively. They just kind of have offense uh, spread about. So what I'm talking about is uh, Thomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher were the only 20 goal scorers on the team. They each had 22. Max Domi had 17, and he was their third leading goal scorer, and I believe he's been playing on the fourth line with Dale Weiss. So, and Joel Armia had 16, Shea Weber had 15. So there's not a go-to guy, but then they spread out the names throughout the lineup and they have four lines that could kind of hang or three lines, I should say that could kind of hang with most teams, but you're not really, you're not really scared of them offensively. It's just kind of, they're going to usually throughout the season, they were, they were killing teams by just uh, out chancing and getting more shot attempts than people, but that's not really what's been going on in the postseason. Um, and in the postseason, when you look at their, uh, their top six, uh, they switched it up and you, the main line during the season was Brendan Gallagher, Philip Deneau, and Thomas Tatar. That would have been the one line that they went to this postseason. It would have been, okay, put Couture on that line. I, I don't care about the rest of the Canadians' depth. Uh, Claude Julien, though, decided to switch it up during the Penguin series. I think the last two games he went with um, Arteri Lekkanen, Philip Deneau, and Paul Byron, as well as Gallagher, Nick Suzuki, and Tatar in the top six. So then you put Deneau, who is a player uh, – I mean, he's pretty good uh, in terms of, like, defensive impact on the team. Uh, whenever he's on the ice, the Canadians limit the chances against him. He usually drives play pretty well. And he's one of the better play-driving centers uh, in terms of underlying numbers in the league. But he just doesn't produce. So, like, when he's on the ice with Lekkanen and Paul Byron, that's a line that could 
kind of go toe to toe with one of the Flyers lines uh, and kind of break even in goals, but like you know, the Flyers line is more talented. Like I can see the Canadians' top nine is kind of breaking even with the Flyers, and then they just kind of hope that they edge out a one nothing two one win while getting shellacked in terms of possession or something like that. Like they're gonna. I don't know. It's going to be the same type of series that they just had against the Penguins, but I don't think the Flyers are going to give the Canadians what the Penguins gave them. There's no Jack Johnson pair, right? Like Jack Johnson and uh, Justin Schultz were on the ice for, I think, five of the goals against in that series against Canadians. There weren't a lot of goals to go around. Um, right. Like the closest you have to a Jack Johnson on the Flyers would be, I don't know, Braun, Hag, or I guess Gostaspare, depending on who's well, in. Yeah. And, and even with. You know, Gostaspair, you have the offensive component. When he brings it, he really brings it. With Hag, I would say even at his worst, and we're not the biggest Robert Hag fans on the show, Hag, Hag, yeah. whatever. Uh, we don't even like, bother to get his name right. Uh, <laughs> even though we're not the biggest fans of his, he's still, you know, miles better than Jack Johnson. And Justin Braun, while he is not the fastest skater out there, he's very crafty and his positioning is usually very good and uh, Braun is a, a far preferable option to Jack Johnson. Yeah. Like I, and both of like, I'm not a big fan of Braun uh, Hag, and I think we've talked about that at length, but even if you roll with them instead of putting ghost in, I don't think Hag and Braun could cost the flyers as many goals as Johnston Johnson and Schultz did. And that's even after the fact of like, I think the flyers are going to offer more support and not let it get to that point. Uh, they'll do a better job of that than the Penguins did on making sure the Canadians couldn't take advantage of that pair, if that makes sense. Like, a lot of the pitfalls that cost the Penguins in that series, like, I, I like they kind of gave... There are a lot of cheap goals for Murray in that series. That last game, when, like, the last game winning goal in Game 4, there were five... All five of the Penguins were surrounding the net and couldn't keep Leckner from putting the puck in. Look at the three goals the Flyers gave up around Robin. And think about how the Flyers are playing defensively. Like, that's not like, that's the thing that the Canadians, I think, have to bank on here is that they're able to break even. And then they get a couple of these weird, fluky bounces that the way the Flyers are playing right now, even if one of those bounces goes against them, I don't think it's going to become a mental thing. Like, the Flyers have just kept trucking through everything here. I think the closest thing they actually had to, like, what would it call it, like an uh oh moment was when the Bruins made it two to one in the game on Sunday. And then Phil Myers scored immediately after that, like eight seconds later. So I think it's just like a series like this would, I would be more scared if I thought like the Flyers, if the Flyers aren't looking the way they've looked coming back into the bubble, I think I'll be more scared of it. Like if they looked amazing into the pause and then there's been a couple blips during like the round robin play, I think I'd be more nervous about it, but. Yeah, I'd say I'd also argue that the Flyers had a really tough third period against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, but they did. that's the Tampa Bay Lightning who have an amazing offense. Yeah. And Montreal does not even begin to touch that. I mean, just looking at the contributors from Montreal offensively, I mean, they got a lot from their defense. Like uh, they're more similar to to Columbus really as far as threats go than anybody. And even then like Columbus, you know, with Wierenski and Jones are, are much more of a threat. I mean, you look at uh, Jeff Petrie had a couple of nice goals. Uh, Shea Weber uh, was mm-hmm. a really big force, but I mean, those are the guys that are 
some of their biggest contributors, you know, and again, they're on the defensive side of the puck. Yeah. And I think, and going into the defense real quick, I'll try and like reiterate or kind of explain better the point I was trying to make earlier. The Canadians all year have been one of the better teams in terms of trading offensive chances and then leading the league in terms of like poison forward percentage and expected goals forward percentage. They real they win the puck possession battle, even though it may not result in wins and goals, but how they play in the postseason and how they would have to play to, I think, beat the Flyers kind of flies in the face of that. I don't know if they can really, like, I don't know if they can really trade chances with the Flyers. I know they did during the regular season, but, I mean, we'll get in that in a second. Uh, their defense, though, Brett Kulak and Jeff Petrie are a lot better than I think people recognize. Uh, and you've talked about, you've been mentioning Petrie a little bit here, and he had a couple big goals in that series against the Penguins. Uh, I don't know if they can really angle not happening again against Carter Hart, but um, uh, the, this pair, Kulak and Petrie, uh, are one of 41 pairs that played 500 uh, five and five minutes together during the regular season uh, or more, and they finished first with a 60.66 expected goals for percentage and had the fourth lowest uh, expected goals against for 60 with 1.94, uh, and they finished with 22 goals and 21 goals against. They barely meet that met that cutoff, but that's still pretty good to finish at the top of all those defensive pairs with that level of expected goals for percentage while limiting the number of goals against. Uh, and also Ben Sherratt and Jay Weber is the other top pair they've been using uh, throughout the season and who they were using a lot in the first round. And uh, yeah, Weber had a pretty big goal, I think, in game three, game two. Uh, but out of those 41 pairs, they finished six with 54.36 expected goals for percentage. But what makes that pair interesting, or would I would like to point out when it comes to uh, why I don't think I'd be that scared about the top four is, even though they led the quality chances battle, they still lost the goal battle 31 to 36, and they finished 31st with 2.6 expected goals against per 60. Uh, first with the most amount of expected goals for per 60, but then 31st out of 41 pairs in terms of limiting quality chances against. So when you hear the name Shea Weber, you think of shutdown defensemen. Uh, a guy that booming slap shot. I think, of Paul shot. <laughs> I, think <laughs> I think about that one night many years ago in July of 2012. No, I think of, but you know, Shea Weber. Like, why did Paul Hormon go get him? Because he is the defensive defenseman. He's the guy that's going to clear the crease, throw his weight around, you know, all this type of stuff. But these numbers indicate that him and Sherrod have kind of been playing a style of play that is they're just willing to they're willing to give up some offensive chances because they know they're going to get more in the end. So they're not taking anything away offensively. It's kind of more just Sherrod and Weber have been pretty good together uh, in terms of producing uh, scoring chances and not really yielding them. So one of those two pairs, like Sherrod Weber is going to have to go up against Drew Couture, Voracek, slash Farabee, slash whoever, and Lawton Hayes Konechny. Like that's the thing we got to – one of those lines that has an undersized center and what whichever one of these defensive pairs is going to have to go up against Couturier or Hayes. So I think Couturier and Hayes are just going to dominate the ice in the top, in the battle of the top sixes. Like, I I don't know. But uh, even behind, even beyond that top four, too, Victor Mete and Xavier Ouellette, their third pairing, I, I don't think Claude Julien wants to use them. Uh, they played, uh, they only played 10 minutes together throughout the whole entire regular season. Uh, this is Mete's first playoffs, first postseason. This is Ulet's uh, technically his second. He played a game with Detroit back in 2014. But like uh, Mete's an offensive defenseman who just can't get the puck out of his own zone. Uh, not really good 
at uh, defense at Montreal. And also, Olette has played 12 games this season and 76 total games since 2017-18. So I don't think the Flyers really had that pair that can pinpoint. The Penguins had Johnson and Schultz. Mete and Olette, like, I, I would find it hard to believe that AV is not going to figure out a time and place to get that Hayes line out there against Mete and Ouellette in the defensive zone. Like that's another thing you got to factor in too. It's just AV being able to exploit the weak points on the Canadians. And, and I mean, that's where the, the first overall uh, really comes in and is an advantage for the flyers is being able to play those matchups. And the mm-hmm. fact is throughout the entire Eastern conference playoffs uh, portion of the playoffs, if the flyers make it, you know, Oh, so far, AV is going to be able to have those advantages in most of the games. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and it's a huge thing. Like, I mean, I don't know how much we joked around about Carter Hart being much better at home because of home cooking or having his bedroom or whatever, (laughs) but that it's that last change. That's really the big factor there and being able to exploit those matchups. Yeah. And again, like, the thing with the Canadians is they don't have that one line. They, that's why it's going to be weird is because they don't have that one unit you have to take away and you're like, all right, that's Couturier's job. That That's it. They really have – it's a weird sense of depth, but it's not like really threatening depth, if that makes sense. It's not like, oh, well – No, it, it makes 100%. Sense. Yeah, so it's like – Well, like, because they're – I mean, they're just a mediocre team. At the they really – they're like, like – they're, they're, it's like they're the 12th seed in the Eastern Conference almost. Kind of <laughs> right, right. Like, they're, you're, you're, they're where the Flyers cool. have been for like a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, really. so that's pretty I mean, much it. Yeah. They are, and it's not an insult to the Canadians. They, that's just the level of talent on this insult. team right now. They, they, I mean, yeah, who cares? I'll insult them. Whatever. <laughs> the Canadians fans are listening to this. This is not oh, simulcast in French. Yeah. I'm taking shots. That's right. Oh, babe. <laughs> I mean, but th- this is not a team with a ton of threats, but they can between having good solid defense and great goaltending win some games. That's what it comes down to. And yeah, you can steal games in the playoffs by doing that. I mean, you look over at the Islanders and their great head coach has basically made a career off of doing that. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I feel like, I feel like the coyotes and uh, yeah. And the Islanders, they're the two, like two best examples of that right now in terms of just teams that are built to, like funnel in defensive chances against a certain way and just kind of counterattack and build off that. Um, and it's effective. Uh, but I think like the Canadians, that's the same way the Canadians are going to have to play, but that's not the way they're, they're used to playing. Uh, and if they try and play their game, I mean, uh, looking at the season series, we haven't really gotten into the Flyers played them twice in November, won both games in November, but that was before the Flyers were really, the Flyers pretty much still beat them now. Uh, three to two win in Philly on, November 17th, it was Couturier's uh, overtime winner. It was a really leaky shot on Price that ended up going in. But that game was the Flyers jumped out to a 2-0 lead, kind of had a hold on the game, and then instead of being really aggressive and forechecking even harder in the third period, like they've become accustomed to and was kind of led to success all season, they sat back and the Canadians uh, let the Canadians kind of produce in the third, and then they, they got back to the game. Uh, the uh, They beat them 4-3. to three. In Montreal in overtime on November 13th, that was the Provorov game winner where he went uh, nuts and went coast to coast and uh, embarrassed everybody along the way. And that game was, oh, that a lo- was so good. That was a spicy yeah, meat no. of hell right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, that's going to be uh, – they got to worry about shutting down Provorov too on top of, uh, you know, all the forwards and everything. Um, Philadelphia was outshot 42 Let's not forget Sanheim either. 
I, I know yeah. you don't ever forget Sandheim, but no, I mean, there's... just thinking about that offensive component and yeah. that that goal he had the other day, I just can't get over yeah. how beautiful that goal was. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, and they they're gonna have to, you know, we're talking about the lineups, uh, the lines matching just for the forwards, but like, yeah, they're gonna have to, like Myers and Sandheim should get chances and Provov. And Ghost, if he's healthy. And if Ghost players. is in there. Yeah. And yeah. Ghost looked, you know, Ghost had some good offensive chances in that game yeah. against Tampa Bay. And, I mean, the Flyers' depth is really what has impressed through these round-robin games. The fact that they won that Tampa Bay game based off of two goals from Nicholas Abe Kubel. The NAKGB yeah. is just out in droves for Abe Kubel after that performance. Like, yeah. NAK, man, showed up. And yeah. the fact that you're getting goals from somebody like him, Scott Lawton's been producing like he has, and you have not seen really much offense from the top line at all. Like yeah. I've seen the second line produced <laughs> with uh, Konechny and Hayes, but like Drew, Voracek, Katorie, those guys, while they're playing pretty good hockey, I mean, they're not putting up a lot of numbers right so, now. And yeah. th- this Do is that. where I really think this series, you might actually see them step up because the Montreal doesn't have that, that opposing shutdown line. Like Weber might be able to shut them down to a degree, but I don't know. It's just, the fact is when you play Tampa Bay, when you play Boston, Boston's got their so-called perfection line, blow it at your asses. Uh, Yeah. I mean, but like when you're playing Boston, Couturier and Giroux are pretty much almost nullified trying to shut down that line. Like that's just, and that's where you have to have that depth. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. So, and that's a great point. And I'll I was gonna read also more around Robin numbers, get everybody pumped. But yeah, you're right. That is that's the other thing with the Canadians is I've been I kept talking about how they they might be able to hang with them, but they really don't have like Deneau is good defensively, and I think he might be able to hamper one of these two top lines. But like he's not. I don't know. I don't think he's a guy that's gonna completely mask Hayes or Couturier. And take the Flyers that top line during the entire round robin. They were going up each game. They're going up against the line that could actually hang with them. I don't think the Canadians can really offer that. I mean, like if they do put together uh, Gallagher, Tatar, and Deneau, maybe they might be able to drive play with them. But whoever, like if they put that line together, that line might win their battle. But then whoever is free between Drew, Couturier, Voracek, Slash, Farabee, whatever, uh, Law and Hayes connecting is just going to eat up. Like that's, and, uh, but going back to the round robin, uh, so looking at the numbers, the Flyers had a goal differential of 11 to three. Uh, there were one of two teams that had 10 goals or more. Vegas had 15. And that is like you're talking about. No goals from Giroux, Couturier, Voracek, JVR, Hayes, or Konechny during those three games. Uh, and then on, um, on defense, they've only allowed uh, – they only allowed three goals against, which is the least amount of goals allowed out of the eight-round Robin teams. Uh, Colorado had five. Everybody else had seven or more. Uh, and two of those three goals were goals that went in off Hag on pretty, like, kind of fluky plays. And then also their other goal was a, 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 a power play goal against, and it was a play where Katorier, Niskanen, and Provorov all made the wrong read or made a bad decision slash fell over. So if you can, if you bank on those guys all making the wrong decision to get on the same play, then the Flyers might be in trouble. But all your, I think you can count the number of mistakes that those three have kind of made on. Like they have, they've been playing fine all season. They haven't been doing anything wrong. Um, 
Yeah. So then um, they've never done anything wrong in their they've lives. Never, I don't know employees. if they've actually. Yeah. I don't know if they ever got suspended or like if they ever got like a violation, you know, not a Mike Miz violation. I mean, like a traffic violation or anything. So it's fairly. Uh, <laughs> is spilling piping hot coffee in your lap a violation? I feel like that would have been. <laughs> it's a huge violation. Yeah. It's the violation. <laughs> that would have been great. If also they... being a Flyers fan. Huge violation. <laughs> it would have. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah. Oh, Flyers. Yeah, it's a violation. It would have been great uh, if he, yeah, he mindless puppets. <laughs> he could have owned that moment if he had spilled the coffee on his groin and looked at the camera and he would just be like, "Yo, that's a violation," and they just moved on, act like it wasn't piping hot coffee. But it's too late for that anyway. Um, going back to the season series too, the one game the Flyers did lose, I don't read that much into it because I think it's a little. They lost four to one in Philly on January sixteenth. The Flyers kind of played into the Canadians' hand. Uh, it was the only game all year that the Flyers played where they had overshot over 40 shots and their opponent had over 40 shots. The Flyers outshot Montreal 41 to 40. Again, that's the kind of shit Montreal wants to get into because they lead the league and quarters four percentage. I expect the goals four percentage because they're pretty much just trading chances most of the game. Uh, also, Kovalchuk had a two goal game that game, so I don't think we have to worry about Ilya Kovalchuk this series and this Flyers Canadian series. Uh, no, also, <laughs> also, uh, it was a back to back. I don't know if you remember how bad the Flyers were at road games and how that was like a serious concern at the time, and everybody knew about it. And like the players were talking about it because, like, Kevin Hayes had a comment about we don't know what happens on the road, but you know, yeah. The Flyers the night before had just won an overtime against the Blues in St. Louis, uh, and then the next night they went and played in Philly, and that was if people don't remember, had. Freeman were the third pair at that time. So that loss in Philly to Montreal, Hag Freeman were playing. And also Hart was out at the time. So after Elliott played against the Blues, Alex Lyon was in net against the Canadians. So like that loss against the Canadians, there's a lot of shit going on there. It wasn't just a uh, uh, Canadians got better of them. This should be a, you know, we should look into this game to see how the Canadians can win. It's like, how Flyers- dare you disrespect <laughs> Alex Lyon like that? Yeah, well, I think he, I think the he's, greatest goaltender in Fly, Flyers history. Why isn't he the starter? I don't understand it. I don't know if anybody really said wanted Yale happen, said Yale. People Flyers, did. Yeah. People did like that. He had a couple okay games. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did okay. Yeah, I mean, I was. I remember literally losing my he mind. did okay. I remember losing my mind when they signed him as a collegiate free agent, and then uh, that was that was pretty much the most excited I got about Alex Lyon. He's been kind of, you know, he's still here. Fine. I don't know if he's going to become anything, but he's definitely, he's not the guy. He's not going to be playing. That's literally like every collegiate free agent the Flyers have ever signed. That's literally every collegiate free agent almost ever. I mean, it really hasn't. Every one of them has been way overhyped and then kind of been a dud. Yeah, because Lion and Mike Vecchione. <laughs> Mike Vecchione almost won a Hobie Baker. Matt, Matt Reed, too. Matt Reed was one of the original collegiate free agent signs. Matt Reed's I, the best college free agent the Flyers have had. And then he had a, like straight a, up. Yeah, 20 goal season and then kind of a couple couple 20 goals. He, he was fine. He was fine. Um, he was fine. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, not collegiate free agent signings, but younger players that are trying to make an impact i think two worth i I put down two names that are worth watching during this series uh just barry kake nami and uh nick suzuki who are both pretty good uh kake nami had a pretty difficult season got benched uh for a while his numbers on any surface don't look great uh however looked pretty damn good in terms of underlying numbers in the uh, penguin series and also scored two goals uh suzuki 
had a pretty good season all around. Uh, again, like to know he had pretty strong defensive uh, effects on the team when he was out there. Uh, the, the Canadians just gave up less chances and less high danger chances when he was out there. Had 41 points, 13 of which were goals this season in 71 games. And again, for a guy that's been was kind of thrust out there and expected to provide a defensive role uh, and not playing top line minutes, I think he's playing around like 16 minutes a night to get 13 goals. That's that's not too bad on a team like the Canadians. And if he's going to be with Gallagher and Tatar, that could be a name that you see providing an annoying goal. Uh, you know, maybe squeaking in there, but uh, that so they they're switching up the lines is that's a good move by Claude Julian because then that at least gives. The Canadians' top six a chance to, I mean, they're going to be fighting upwards because I think both the Flyers' top lines are better than either of of these two top lines. But I, I, I don't know. Again, I just don't think the Canadians have depth, but I think the Flyers can match that depth and the ways that teams usually bank on looking to beat a team going in as great underdogs. I, I think kind of goes against how Montreal's played the whole year, and I don't know the Flyers are going to give them those opportunities. And, and you know, upsets can happen at any time in hockey. And I guess we should look at Carey Price really is, you know, with all this said, Carey, it, the series is going to come down to Carey Price. Because uh, I don't think – there's no question about who the better team is. There's no question about who should Carey play in the series. There's no question about yada, yada, yada. It all comes down to whether or not Carey Price can stand on his head and steal a one or two for the Canadians because I, I think they're going to have to win in a long series, and I don't think they're going to do it with Carey Price playing average. Um, so in the postseason so far, he's gone 3-1-0, 947 save percentage, uh, and he had a shutout in game four against Pittsburgh. This season, he was 27-25-6 and six with a 909 save percentage and four shutouts. Uh, and again, as Pierre Lebron said before the tournament started, and we all kind of made fun of him, or at least you and I did, Steve, uh, Maybe those naps, I don't know, maybe those naps are helping out. I mean, his numbers did improve. Uh, did come up big at times against uh, the Penguins in that series. So maybe uh, maybe a well-versed Carey Price. Maybe we shouldn't have been making fun of uh, Sleepy Time with uh, Carey Price there. Seems like he, I will uh... make fun of Sleepy Time <laughs> until the day I die. I, the, I guess the thing we're making fun of is the fact that, you know, Carey Price's reputation it doesn't really matter how Carey Price plays over the years. His reputation is cemented as one of the great goaltenders. In the yeah, game. yeah. Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. He's been good this year on a shitty team. But Yeah, he's still not I think it. Well, and, and as I said before, I think it really took a combination of both him standing on his head, Montreal playing, you know, good hockey, probably the best hockey they could, and the Penguins just not really fully showing up to to win that series yeah i mean that was the i think the penguins third line looked like shit that series too but it really was and the penguins don't have the depth and this is where the penguins have beaten the flyers in recent years you know besides having two to three superstars on their team (laughs) it it was having that scoring depth was being able to you know roll line after line and it wouldn't necessarily be the best players but they would have fast players they would have just good competent hockey players down the lineup and that made a huge difference yeah and like they Rutherford did a pretty good job of plugging in uh players that fit in the Sullivan system pretty well and it was back I mean they did have Kessel that helped the uh depth a little bit there too and of course when Crosby and Malkin are on their game it kind of makes it hard to match them up uh against against anybody but yeah that's the thing is like the 
And when they had Kessel in there, man, like, you know, make fun of Phil Kessel as much as you want. That guy can score freaking goals at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like the, like looking at it like that, the, the way that the Canadians beat the Penguins is just like, I, I don't think I really, I don't know. I don't think they can do it the same way against the Flyers. I think it's going to be a lot more. I mean, uh, I think Charlie was talking about it too, in terms of like, uh, zone entries and whatnot but the canadians are really good in terms of carrying the puck into the offensive zone and keeping the flyers from or keeping their opponents from carrying the puck into their defensive zone so they're good at forcing dump-ins on defense and carrying the puck into the offensive zone which is better at creating scoring chances uh at five on five but the flyers i think did a pretty good apparently did a pretty good job of forcing the canadians to dump the puck in and then the Flyers dumping the puck in place their advantage because they're a strong forecheck team. Um, but, like, I, you know, like, I really just don't – I just don't see it. I don't know. I just don't see it. It's really the carry price angle is what it's got to be. Carry price is going to play over his head and do things. Like, he's going to have to win one or two games, if not more, where he's facing way more shots than the Canadians are producing. And it's going to come down to the Flyers not being able to, like a lot of these goals in the round. Every round, game is going to have to be a Neuwirth game. Yeah, like it's that's really what it is. Because like I'm, I'm thinking about the forecheck and stuff, and like a lot of these round robin games were just Hayes and company just getting in on the forecheck and causing problems, and Hayes just collecting loose pucks and creating chances like that. And like I think the Canadian the Canadians have speed, but. Some of these guys, like some of, some of these guys, when they get pinned in their own zone, I think are going to struggle when it comes to the, like the Flyers can keep that their third pair in the defensive zone and kind of pin them in there. I think the Canadians are going to have a, a lot of problems, and I think they're going to be able to do that. I think Metsay Ouellette is going to be a pair that, if you get that Hayes line out there or the Katoria line out there, and they're able to forecheck, get somebody deep in and on forecheck on them, I that that pair is going to unravel. And again, the Flyers don't have that a reciprocal pair where the Canadians would Claude Julian sitting there like, all right, we go straight at Hag and Braun and we're going to get a goal or two a night like that. I don't think they're they're the weak point on the team, but I don't think they're that that poor of a tandem. And again, if you put Ghost in there, I don't not like two games of Ghosts really illustrates all the problems, but you get a guy in there that can kind of move the puck out of the zone slash create a little bit of offense. I have a little bit more faith in that pair and then they don't really have Beyond that, I mean, the third line has kind of looked off and uh, more to the Flyers' depth. If that line starts to get going, uh, I don't think they really have one of those lines is going to have to defend NAK. And I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say after he had one two-goal game in the postseason. <laughs> but, like, they're going to have to leave. If, if they match top six line for top six line, JVR, Grant, and NAK is the Flyers' third line. I know that's not sexy, and I know JVR hasn't done a lot recently. But he is a streaky goal scorer, so if uh, he hits one of these right streaks in the playoff series here, and the Canadians have to figure out a way to shut him down too, and then leave the Hayes or the Katoria line open, uh, you know, I, that doesn't sound like good news to me. I don't know. And, and NAK, we've seen JVR, I mean, it's been a couple of years since we've seen this happen, but we've seen JVR dominate in playoff series before. Yeah. The guy's streaky, gonna... there's no <laughs> doubt about it, but when he turns it on, he is a force, and and AK man, like he four checks hard. And the reason he was such a pivotal part in these games was because the, the defensive efforts of the Bruins of the lightning of the capitals 
uh, were being spent on the Flyers' top two lines. So that's where you can get them. If you can outplay them on the bottom six, you really have a huge advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the point? Uh, so the Flyers also ended uh, the round robin with the lowest uh, expected goals against per six. Yeah, they finished with 1.88 expected uh, – no, 1.51 expected goals against uh, per 60, which is the lowest – which was the lowest in the league. Um, and I think – like that's a big thing too when it comes to the Canadians. I think one of the main ways they – one of the big things up front for them on offense is Gallagher just kind of getting into the slot and causing problems. And the Flyers have been one of the better teams in this round robin, and they've gotten better at, during the season at just not letting teams kind of get there and create. And that's going to be a big thing to watch is to see how any of the pairs work against Gallagher in front. And I don't know if I don't know if AV would be tempted to put Braun or Hag out there against them, but that might be an issue where they kind of run into problems is. He tries to get too cute and maybe matches him up against Gallagher line. And then uh, Hag or Braun lose a couple puck or uh, net front battles. And then it causes some issues there. But I, yeah, I mean. Well, he's got to w- worry about Gallagher smashing watermelons into the net. Like that. <laughs> that, now see, that's what he should add to is As soon as he scores a goal, puts on a mar- mustache, lays out a tarp, pulls out a mallet and a watermelon, and he just goes, he just goes to town. That's the. I mean, Brendan Gallagher and the Montreal Canadiens. I hope you're listening because this <laughs> is an entire bit that you guys could be doing social media on the jumbotron. There, yeah, you know, there's just Bubba. endless possibilities. This is free money that Flyperbole is printing up for you, or I guess uh, the Flyers forecast. Oh, I was gonna say. And by the way, free, speaking of free money, uh, if you do have this, if you use this idea in the future. We know we recorded it, and we're looking for that cut, baby. So, uh, that ain't unlike the cut that the Flyers have given us for any of the ideas, they waiting for the waiting for the money on this assembly room. We're still waiting on that, pretty much. That Chucky trades, whatever other kind of bullshit oh, they ha- passed off as their own idea. Yeah, lot of. I'm just waiting for large Elaine. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of big Al, large, large Elaine is here. Oh my god, and the butt. <laughs> group now would you do would you do large elaine or lane like apostrophe l-a-i-n large lane oh my god because then you get the double well, i think large lane is already copyrighted by the eagles right oh good bit. lane johnson uh, yeah. yeah and i, I guess i don't that, think they've ever called him that but you know yeah I, and also i don't for, think i think Avery nobody needs to call him large he's just a mountain yeah. of a man it yeah. is known if AV and Lane Johnson go into a fist fight, who would you have? I know the answer. I just wanted you to hear me ask. Oh, AV, question. obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. AV. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not AV, AV over the in his prime athlete. <laughs> AV. I, I think AV used to fuck some guys back, oh, back in the day. He seems like a guy that got into a couple bar uh, bar brawls back in the day. I, AV I would, yeah. is 100% at the top of my list for flyers I want at yeah. my back in a bar <laughs> brawl. A whole fly purpley under quarantine episode, if we so chose to produce it. If we, uh, yeah. I would want AV and TK at my side, and some stuff's gonna happen. Who knows what? But some stuff's yeah. gonna happen. Oh, oh, there's definitely gonna be stuff that's gonna happen. Yeah, stuff. And uh, all the stuff that goes with it. One of the storylines I'd like to talk about, and this is probably the biggest from a narrative standpoint. Carter Hart is entering his first actual playoff series, and. That first actual playoff series happens to be against his idol, Carey Price. 
his actual idol, Carrie Price, who he admitted to actually staring at too much when he actually got to play against him down the other end of the game. Something I don't anticipate happening again, but right. I mean, this is a big deal for Carter Hart to go up against his idol in his first actual playoff series. I mean, this is huge. Yeah, it's a... And again, I think the goaltending is maybe the biggest X factor in the series because both goaltend, both goalies, it's going to be a wide variance of what their series is going to look like. Because Carter Hart could still have those those Ricky yips and kind of get caught up in the moment too much of like playing in a series against Carey Price. But I, I don't know all that other stuff with like the the rookie mental blocks that usually would have come up along the way. We haven't really seen them with. Carter Hart and again he's a guy that's been able to compartmentalize like he's been like in this round robin he's been fine like and he came through the Bruins were putting a lot of pressure on late in that game where they could have easily gotten a goal or two and he stood on stood on his head I mean and against the lightning he looked great in the round robin I mean he yeah. just looked mentally focused and locked in just everything you want and again that lightning period third period wasn't exactly encouraging for you know, the, the Flyers' response to a, a talented team trying to come back, but Hart looked pretty good uh, in terms of just shutting everything down. And, uh, yeah, and going back to the Lightning game, like, that was, yeah, you're right. It was the Lightning knowing they needed to score some goals in the third period. So they're going to be able to. That's why I'm scared of the Lightning is because they are a team that can fight through, I think, fight through the Flyers' forecheck when they're up late in the game and have the offensive talent to dance around players and create an offensive zone. I will say, though, the Flyers' defense did a good job of limiting quality chances during that flurry by the Lightning in the third period. Yeah. It wasn't great that they got pinned back, but I wouldn't say the Lightning necessarily got a ton of high-quality chances out of that whole sequence. Yeah. Also, like, again, in that game, Niskanen, I don't know what the hell is up with Niskanen. Like, maybe there's a check engine line on the minivan. Or, like, he didn't grab the right amount of Capri Suns. Or, like, whatever, like, other responsible dad joke. I don't fucking know. But he just had a bunch of bad reads in that game. Like, there was... Carter Hart made a bunch of saves in the first period that were just created from... Like, Niskanen made a bad read on a, a two-on-two rush and came over and helped Proveroff. And I think, like, Kucherov walk in for a breakaway. And Hart stopped that. And then there was another, like, breakaway chance that the Lightning had in the first period that Hart turned away. So, again, it wasn't... I don't know, like, he's shown... The Flyers are taking away defensive opportunities, but it's not like they've left... They haven't... They've left Harp with no work to, at all. He's done pretty well in taking away a couple key chances here or there. And I think, um, like, again, I just... I don't know. I don't see the mental aspects being the thing that makes Hart falter here. I, I don't know. I don't really know what would. I think... The other things, like, I feel like Gallagher could be a nuisance in front no watermelon or, or mallet or hammer, but like just in front in terms of screening and redirections and everything. But outside of that, I'm not really too worried about, I'm not really worried about hearts like mentality. You know, I'll say that another time. <laughs> I think he'll like, I'm not worried about him in this series uh, at all. I'm kind of interested in this. I'm more worried about carry price, possibly going back into 2014, 15 carry price is all. Even with that, as a potential factor, I mean, I really think the Flyers' forecheck is good enough to overcome that. Like, Carey Price is just going to have to play, like, I don't know, I, I just think the Flyers are out shooting opponents so much and playing such sound defensive two-way hockey. 
I I just don't see the way that Canadians win this unless Carey Price can also go down the other side of the ice and score. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the thing. Is like they're they're really I I think they're going to have to rely more on uh, on how they kind of beat Pittsburgh, but I just don't think they're going to lean into uh, like there are just going to be times we're going to play, be playing defense for shifts or periods at a time, and I don't think that's really. I don't think that's their MO. I don't think that's the way they're built. And uh, it's going to be like the Flyers aren't going to open up the floodgates to the Canadians. Like they're going to have to, they're going to have to claw by on some really, really low scoring wins, I think. And like, I was more worried about potentially facing the Islanders than the Canadians. And the Islanders are the kind of team that does shut down the Flyers and knows Mm -hmm. how to, for some reason. And I just don't think Montreal's got that same level of, uh, I don't know, Barry Trotz just knows the Flyers and he just knows how to shut it down. I just don't see that happening with this Canadians team because I just don't think they even have the, the level of annoying talent that the Islanders have. I think the Islanders, I mean, the Islanders too just have a lot. Their system works pretty well. They have the right pieces for the system and their defense is a little bit bigger and better in the defensive zone. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, you're right. Trouser just says he just has it down to the science. And I, that's not the Canadians. I mean, I love Julian. I, I remember one, I remember Steve Wittenip back in 2017 when Claude Julian was fired by the Bruins and hired by the Canadians. And we talked about whether or not the Flyers should have fired Hackstall for him. And uh, I remember saying we should have, but I was all right with them hanging on the Hackstall to give him a little bit of time. So, Pass Craig, God damn it. What a terrible opinion that was because uh, it, it was so fucking bad because Hackstall didn't work out, you know? Right? He did. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say Hackstall worked out. I can't get I can't get over the fucking fact that Maple Leafs lost again last night. I mean, I, you know, and again, the it's truly the tragic. Jackets, let me tell you, <laughs> the Blue Jackets couldn't happen to a nicer genius like the Blue Jackets got that got that Wierenski shot. He was able to drift it through traffic and get it in. And then they just kind of sat on that, that goal all night. Like that was the difference in the game. And, uh, but see the, the Maple Leafs, I don't think are there when it comes to like, just, I don't know. Teams get, get their number and then kind of shut them down. We've seen it with the, the Bruins in the postseason too. Uh, I, I think that's one of the factors with postseason play. And it's one of the, you know, age old adages, right. Is that defense wins championships, but it's, I mean, we see this year after year where the offensive teams go in and they look great and they're like, no way these offensive powerhouses get shut down here and they get shut down. Like Tampa Bay for years has been off a, a team of offensive powerhouses. And it's only now that they're actually playing sound defense and consistent defense. And we're talking about a team that's got Victor Hedman and Andre Vasilevsky. So it's not exactly like they were lacking in those departments, but they right. were known more for their offensive systems. And, but we see that we in Toronto, they don't really have a defense. They have a decent goaltender, but they are an offensive heavy team and they just can't win a playoff series. And the flyers, you know, when drew and Voracek absolutely were killing it the other year, they didn't yeah. win a playoff series with that. You know, it's, yeah. You have to play sound two-way hockey if you want to advance in the playoffs. And I mean, Barry Trotz as I, this is not a Barry Trotz praise podcast as much as it might sound like. It, <laughs> I really admire what he's done over the years and how he has taken these teams, not usually with great talent, like with Washington, he finally had great talent, but mm-hmm. for years he had teams with just 
shit talent. Well, not shit, but you know, just mediocre talent. And he'd take them pretty far in the playoffs. Dyna- they not a lot of dynamic offensive talent, I guess is the way to put it. Like even when he was in Nashville, he didn't have guys like Arvidsson and uh, Philip Forsberg to like go out and create offense out of thin air for him. Uh, and even in New York, I mean, like New York, he has bars all, and that's essentially like he's the really the only like guy that can kind of create offense out of thin air on that team and uh i think the caps like that was the ideal situation for him because that was just a lot of talent and they bought into the system and then they just just rolled through teams um i think so i think another angle i want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet would be uh special teams and that's another way again if the canadians are going to do this they break even at five on five or they lose the goal battle at five on five or they, uh, yeah, break the goal battle at five on five. And then the power play and PK kind of take over, but that's not really going to be, I mean, the Canadians power play, uh, finished, um, where does it say? What does it say? 22nd in the league with 17.7 power play percentage, uh, 19th with the 78.7 PK. And then in the postseason. The Canadians, as well as the Flyers, are two teams that have yet to score a power play goal. The Canadians are 0 for 12. Flyers are 0 for 11 in the bubble. Uh, and then the, the the Canadians' PK, uh, 82.4%, uh, 14th. They've allowed three goals on 17 kills. So, again, the Flyers' power play, you know, that's another reason why this series looks kind of close because the penalty kill is the spot where teams can take advantage of the Canadians as well, and the Flyers' power play has been well, ass for a minute and has been ass in the bubble. So that's a thing that kind of plays into the idea or the narrative of like the Canadians having a chance here. But I look at that as, you know, the Canadians gave up three, it was to the Penguins. So you're talking about like Crosby and Malkin on the man advantage, but still gave up three power play goals in a series and like in four games and won that series. So if they're giving up, like if we're talking about everything that's going to go on and then you toss in a couple special team goals like the flyers way i I don't see how the canadians do it like (laughs) you never succeed when you mix ass and bubbles let me tell you yeah i mean that's just there's a lot of bubble bass that can prove that point you know uh i guess i i guess that's a joke i don't (laughs) i guess that's a joke for that i don't know uh like like a pool or a jacuzzi but you know jacuzzi yeah jacuzzi yeah well i was thinking like i don't usually just have my bare ass out first of all i don't usually take bubble bass uh, you know, that's I don't usually... think you need a bare ass to for a bubble bath. That's uh... oh, oh, okay. oh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're on gotcha. different pages here. Yeah, we are fact. different pages. Yeah, well, jacuzzi. I mean, it's a natural. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I gotcha now. All right. All right. Fart so the... conversation. <laughs> Flyers forecast. Let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, look at look at elsewhere on the uh, Canadian special teams. Uh, Tatar led, and speaking the how, I guess not threatening the Canadians' power plays. Tatar led the Canadians with eight power play goals. Uh, Suzuki had six. Uh, each of them led Montreal with 14 power play points. Tatar is tied for 31st uh, in the league in power play goals, and uh, the 14 power play points is tied for 83rd in the league uh, in power play points. For perspective, the Flyers uh, have Jerome Provorov, who each had seven power play goals this year, and Konechny led the team with 23 power play points. Uh, Konechny, Giroux, Voracek, and Provorov all had 16 power play points or more so all of them would have had all of them would have been power play point leaders on the canadians so like right now the canadians power play has been struggling that's always been the one thing that people look to and i was like well that could be better 
But like you can't like if you're looking for ways of Canadians to win, you can't really go with the special teams angle either because their penalty kill isn't t- completely taking away power play units, and their and their um and their power play isn't really anything to be scared of. So, really, there's just it, it's every way you look at it. I feel like there is a big advantage for the Flyers, but the Canadians have enough of a counterpunch or have enough of a balance to answer it, where the series can just kind of look closer than it is or it'll look like I just like that with the canadians you were worried about stuff we were worried about in the playoffs from a decade ago shea weber and carrie price <laughs> yeah i know and they're all coming back <laughs> yeah so that's uh and it's you know it's funny uh they are really like the two again that i'm gonna be interested to see how weber and Sherat play uh because they kind of have been playing a little more offensively than you would expect out of a weber pair uh but they like the the top four from Montreal can't falter at all. Let Met uh, Mete aren't gonna. They're not doing shit. I, I mean, like that's the pair. You know, like in the past, when the Flyers would have a playoff series, you couldn't play. Like you'd have to play literally just the top pair, because then you didn't want the rest of the other the rest of the defense out there. I don't think Julian wants Mete and Olet out there, at least based on the numbers and how they looked so far in the series. So again, I I. I'm waiting for AV to pinpoint that and take advantage of it at some point in the series, if not one, if if not more than once. Um, and uh, well, you want to talk about uh, you want to revisit some of our old friends real quick too. See how a bunch of foreign flyers are dealing with the Canadians this year. Oh man, I love visiting old friends, and the Canadians are just chock full of the guys that you never wanted to talk to again after high school. Yeah. I don't know, I didn't even put Phil oh well Phil Verone got traded. Phil Verone got traded. But uh yeah, but right. yeah, these guys out of you know, high school acquaintances I really don't want to give a shit about now. So Nick Cousins, perfect example out twenty two points, nine goals this season in fifty eight games. Jordan Wheel had fifteen points, eight of which were goals in forty nine games. Dale Elise, five points, one of which was goals in uh twenty three games, Christian Foley in two points. In 16 games, so surprise, Dutch Gretzky. <laughs> surprise, they're all still pretty bad. And Jordan Wheel and Dale Weiss right now, like Jordan Wheel, I think even got scratched from being on the fourth line in the Canadian series. Jesus. Dale Weiss has been, yeah. So I mean, I don't know what Mark Burr's ran. Like, I, I, I almost feel like this is with all those guys, but yeah. I I almost feel like that it's at this point like. Back in the 90s on SNL Weekend Update, Norm Macdonald would just always go like. And OJ Simpson, still a murderer. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like that's us with Dale Weiss at this point. And yeah. Dale Weiss, still terrible at hockey. Yeah, but like, just the update that nobody needed. Like, still, still doing pretty fucking bad at this shit. Uh, but yeah. Or that, like a that, no shit Sherlock kind of like. <laughs> Germans uh, love David Hasselhoff. <laughs> the Germans love Dale Weiss. He's just. And do you blame him? I mean, he's such a. When I watch Dale Weiss play, and I definitely recognize when Dale Weiss is on the ice, I think to myself, he's good at hockey. He's got it covered. He's pretty good at this sport. I, I literally can't think of one redeeming trait for Dale Weiss. Like, with Andrew McDonald, it's not <laughs> redeeming, but I, I remember that he really liked to try and block the puck. Like, he was dedicated <laughs> to blocking hockey pucks. He didn't do it well, but he tried, damn it. <laughs> Dale Weiss, I can't think of one distinguishing trait. All I like the only thing I'm gonna remember for Dale Weiss was he was the first article I wrote 
for Brawl Street Hockey was his season preview. And it was pretty much me talking about how, hey, when he was on the ice last year, the Flyers gave it less chances. And that was the big selling point. Nothing else. Not like, here's why. It was just like, happenstance when he was out there. <laughs> they coincidentally didn't grow up chances. I don't know what he's doing. I don't think he's doing much. but And he like that and uh, doing the uh, the PR work with Hackstall in Calgary during the 10-game losing streak in 2017-18. Like going into the stands and I don't know, making sandwiches for kids and high-fiving people like that, that whole thing. Uh, like him and Haxtell going, like being the people that were just kind of talking to Flyers fans that like was like one of the lowest points of enjoyment and like the franchise has had in a while is just, yeah, that, that's going to stick with me for a minute. Uh, but that's, uh, th- those are the former Flyers. Christian, I don't I miss expect those guys, to... man. The, yeah. the ex Flyers <laughs> report. I miss those guys every much. I miss Jordan wheels and, who loves me so much <laughs> Jordan will and by the way speaking of like if people if people aren't aware of this story oh, yeah, that I'm just throwing out there I I did a when Jordan wheel got traded from the Flyers I did a, a I so I used to do a, a number of like satirical posts for previous sites and I I've done a couple for Broad Street Hockey but like I put this one out there that basically the Flyers got rid of the clubhouse cancer with like Jordan wheel <laughs> and everything's gonna turn around and Jordan Wheels aunt took this seriously and it was not not ideal. <laughs> I got oh man, it's I couldn't believe it. Like I it, this was that was something else. Yeah. But uh, uh, real quick, uh, as we were uh, bringing up Jordan Wheels aunt, I do want to talk of like Jordan Wheel is an example of like how the Canadians got lucky in that first series too. Because Jordan Wheel gave a pass to Connor Sherry in like the final minutes of game one, and then Connor Sherry just Missed the whole fucking net on a penalty shot. And that could have been a goal. Like, that could have put the Penguins up in game one and then the Penguins take game one. So they had that. And then in game four, Crosby hit the post late in the third period of a 0-0 game. And then Lekkonen stands in the middle of all the Penguins and scores to put them up one nothing. So, like, there were two, like, again, those are two moments in that series that could have just completely changed the complexion of the series. And they were both, like, inches away from, from happening. So, again, like, you know. I don't care how much Jordan Wheels' aunt calls us. Like they're they're gonna need more than that to get the uh, Canadians going here and get some offense from the uh, from Montreal. So, so you're not uh, thinking a Montreal Canadiens win in this series is what you're telling me. I'm, I'm saying no. Uh, I'm saying no at all. And I'd like you have a again, prediction, Craig. I Flyers in five. I don't know. Like I see that's my prediction. Yeah, I see the Canadians. I see. And I hate sounding confident. I hate sounding confident. It's weird. It's I hate weird. believing in the Flyers. Like, it's it's weird. A, I know it sounds terrible. Like I record fly, two Flyers podcasts a week, and to say the phrase "I hate believing in the Flyers" is insane. But like, it, it's true. Like it just feels weird and wrong, and like everybody's confident. Oh, there comes the no. I don't even want to think about such positive thoughts yeah, oh, until no, we're. It's very really weird. Close. This is just a weird like. For us, it's just a weird. Most of the times in the past, and even in playoff series, you come down and break it down. I'm fucking. We're really. I'm negative. I like. I always bury the team, and it's harder to. Uh, this is hard now because the team is. Good. I've been one of the most optimistic Phillies fans over the past few years, and by optimistic, I mean going, well, I don't hate everything. <laughs> and I like, like some things. But like now, it sounds like we don't know what we're talking about because we're just like, yeah, it's all good. There's nothing to complain about there's no way to talk about how 
this should be better. It's like, yeah, the top six is fucking killing it. The top four is like one of the best top fours the Flyers have had in a minute. They got crazy depth. Uh, we're fucking blowing up NAK, and he is, I think Kurt said it, and it's pretty true. He's like the eighth or ninth best forward on the team. And like nobody has a problem with NAK. Like it's a weird, that's a weird feeling. Like, because in years past, you get down to like four or five, and like they became very divided in the city on like whether or not that dude should still be here. But like Chris Vandevelde is actually good at defense. Why would he be out there on the penalty kill? Well, maybe they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) That would be the debate back and forth. Yeah. And it was just, but I really. Why would would they get rid of Belmar? Belmar always tried his best. He's not good. What do you yeah. mean he's not good? Like, it would be shit like that. I mean, There's really, like, like honestly, the only big thing right now, and I, I may even be the only one even mentioning it, but, like, I think Nate Thompson would be the only one, but he hasn't really, again. Nate Thompson, been, like, Shane Goss, the spare Robert Haig. And, like, but, like, uh, Thompson has been an anchor. It's not like he's been an eyesore out there and he's been, a like, a complete no. failure. And, he, like, even now. Perfectly fine fourth line center. Yeah, and like, like even hanging goes certainly better than throwing Dale Weiss out there, or Valtteri yeah. Filpula. Oh yeah, and even like so like Hag too again has gotten a little unlucky during the round robin, but played as best as you could hope for during the regular season before the pause, and it looks like Ghost has kind of I don't know, man. I'm not gonna say too much about Ghost. It's just been he looked all right in that game before the pause, had another surgery during. The cor- like during the um, during the pause, and then looked pretty fucking good on Saturday. Looked really that good assist on, on the first goal was pretty freaking nice. He, and he did uh, not to plug my own goals article, but I will plug my own goals article. Did a lot of stuff on that first goal. Got in on the four check, forced a pass, came back to the point and picked up the loose puck at the point, and then somehow drifted a shot through five people in front for a redirection. Like that was that goal was a lot of ghost, and that's. That's something that I don't think that pair can offer with Hag and Braun. I don't think Hag and Braun would have gotten that far in on the no. the four, or at least gotten to Sorelli to break up that pass in time. On the and they play different games entirely. Like yeah, I, they I do. fully acknowledge that. And I, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. The thing about Robert Hag, and I think we've said this before, is like he's praised for his his hitting and his defensive defense play, but like I never see the hits. He's not laying guys yeah, out. Yeah, the hitting there. stuff but is like ultimately. Ultimately, I would take almost I would take anybody on this defense over the guys we had, you know, four or five years ago, like over the Nick Schultzes, the Andrew McDonald's, uh, the Nick Grossman's. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the other guys we had that were just god awful back there on Christian defense. Fullen. Like the, yeah, just these like uh, Chris. Yeah, but he I, I, I never liked him. But, you know, Brandon Manning, really you say Brandon like, Manning yet? oh, God, I, I tried to block him out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, like I would take Mark Friedman over most of these guys, and Mark Friedman's the emergency guy. Yeah, no, I no, I I would take Mark, and you know some of that has got to be, again, and I'll say it too. There were like I think that's this is the best Hag looked in a season or Hag looked for in a season for forever because I think it's part of the system, and I think uh, to that my big reason for putting Ghost in is because Hag and Braun are both the same defensemen. And we've seen so far in the round robin, their lack of ability gets them in the trouble. It led to the goal against uh, in the Bruins game. And then the second game was, I mean, they lack of mobility and they they can't afford to have miscommunications on defense. And I think during the round robin, they were the pair that had the most amount of miscommunications, or at least going back and looking at 
some of the goals and scoring chances. And you can't really you can't really afford to lose half a second if you're also the slowest pair on the ice. And that was what happened on a bunch of the goals against the Flyers, where Braun or Hag looked around for half a second to realize where they should have been, started darting in that direction, and then just left too much space for a goal to happen. And that's uh, again, like Ghost isn't exactly the fastest player out there, but I would I think he's faster than one of those two. Uh, and I think I think adding an offensive element for a third pair where you can kind of shelter that guy's minutes and kind of let him tee off at certain points like he did for that fourth goal. I think that's I think that's I mean he's probably the fourth fastest Oliver. guy on this defense right now, right? Like I mean he's certainly not faster, I would say, than than Provorov, Myers or Sanheim, but I'd say he's probably faster than Niskanen, Braun and Haig. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, Niskanen, yeah, yeah, he is. He, he might be tied with Niskanen, but I, I still think he's faster than Niskanen. Uh, I think he might actually be faster. Than Let's time him out. Let's go, boys. <laughs> and then like Niskanen too. Like I remember saying earlier in the year, my big fear with Niskanen was because he was a little bit slower, and because he would collect and hold onto the puck in the defensive zone. I was worried there were gonna be times where he would lollygag too much and try and read the forecheck, and then teams would harass him and take the puck away. That happened a little bit earlier on, but like. Again, there really hasn't been, besides Saturday's game, it's not really much a bitch about Niskanen. He's kind of been on his game all year long, which is, yeah, we, we can't stop saying it enough. But And again, like that Niskanen pro for we haven't talked about like the defensive effects of like one of the Canadians' lines is going to be matched up against Couturier, and then is also going to have to face Furroff and Niskanen. And whatever the Canadians have is nowhere near as good as Boston's top unit, whatever the fuck the Lightning are offering the Caps top six. So that's the other thing I'm looking at here is like, we just saw the week of the Flyers pretty much spanking all those teams. And now you're going to put them in front of a, a team that has nowhere near as much like dynamic capabilities on offense. And listen, have you seen Provorov in this postseason? He looks like he spent three months in the mountains training like Rocky and Rocky four. That just... crazy beard, that crazy hair. It's amazing. He, I, <laughs> Nobody should mess with that. Nobody wants to get in the way of uh, Provorov right now. He is a force to be reckoned with, so just stay out of the way. He just found a cave somewhere in Russia where he just etched drawings of like defensive schemes and defending odd man rushes in caves, and then just did wind sprints and you know back checking drills. So he's just been he's been training like a monster, and it's all going to pay off here. Ivan Provorov, uh, yeah, just went into deep training where he just isolated himself, and now he's come out. Half man, half machine, half animal, half however many halves you need to create just a fucking hairy shutdown defenseman. So, yeah, that flow is obnoxious. That flow is, uh, I like it though. That alone is going to win the Flyers this series. It's a fact. Yeah, people, players are going to be mesmerized. They're going to be like, God damn, look at that goddamn lettuce. And then they're just, he's going to blow by people and start an Ironman rush. So, there's a lot of X factors. That's an X factor people don't want to talk about is uh, Burber off there. So what are X factors? Provorov's hair, Carey Price, Price, and uh, well, Carey Price and Carter Hart and Carter Hart's admiration. Yeah, I was gonna Price say, yeah, thing right there. That's an X factor. Carter Hart's uh, Carey Price. Shane himself is the X factor. He might as well be wearing like a Racer X mask on his face. He's such an X factor. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, Nak man. Yeah, NAK. Like I, I think that third line is if that third line starts clicking this series and they start looking good, I, I don't know what the Canadians are going to do because then they got to move one of the top six lines off of that, off of one of the Flyers' top six lines, and then 
they're just going to cause problems for like their top, you like, better watch out, brother, because any KGB is coming for you with Bobby the Hitman Haig. Even if they even like matching the fourth line, like, uh, you know, I just said the thing about Thompson, but I think the fourth line might be Faraby Thompson and Pitlick. So I don't fucking, yeah, sure. Let's just look Pitlick, let man. Like, yeah. Pitlick's one of those just pleasant surprises this year. Faraby looked great in the Lightning game. Like, that, that goal he scored where they played tic tac toe. With uh, Provorov with the shuffleboard, mm-hmm. like, poke check. Yeah. Oh, or, yeah, uh, yeah. Or with the shuffleboard uh, yeah. poke check. Yeah. And that was, I've never seen that. That was amazing. On, on Sorelli, who got a lot of hype for being uh, the Selkie finalist this year. So that's why I love that play, because it was just Sean Couture pantsing another two-way, like, dominant two-way center. And I, nobody's talking about it. <laughs> like, Couture is not only looking like one of the best two-way centers in the league he's just going out there against the other silky finalists and he's like is this a guy you thought was good at defense and like reaches around him and like takes the puck away like because i just you know you saw that right <laughs> um you know you seen this so, you heard about this yeah you seen this uh, i'm still uh you know it's looking bad out here uh <laughs> i wanted to i wanted to go over the playoff history real quick and then we can do players of the week and then uh pretty much to call tonight this is a fucking this is a forecast right here when it's fair because we're doing the whole we are doing the whole series, I guess. Um, so yeah, let's forecast next it. week will not touch this one. Oh yeah, no. And again, it's just going to be pretty much breaking down how the series has looked, and then give you guys the times of the the final games if they are needed. But anyway, uh, playoff history: the Flyers have played the Canadians six times uh, in playoff history. The Flyers have won three series. Canadians have won three series. Flyers beat the Canadians in six games during the 1987 Prince of Wales Conference Final. Which then put oh baby Oilers and yeah I believe Rick Tockett scored a goal late in the third to put them home in uh, Game Six there. Uh, 2008 they beat the Canadians in five games. That's one of my favorite series of all time because Canadians fans were obnoxious and they were the one seed in that postseason and they just beat the eight seeded Bruins in seven uh, seven games and then started burning cars in their city because they were that pumped. And then the Flyers dropped game one in that next series and took the next four and sent them packing thanks to a Scott Up- Scotty Upshaw redirection late. And then Mike Nibble won the Flyers, uh, Flyers slower forwards, putting home an empty net goal. All I heard about that series was how the Canadians were going to kill the Flyers with their speed, and then Mike Nibble's being out so many for an empty net goal at the end of the series was kind of fitting and felt great. Say what you uh, will then, about Philly, but we wait to burn cars and eat horse poop until we actually win the championship. Oh, yeah. No, well, there's there's a time and place for burning cars and, you know, lighting stuff on fire and, you know, wrecking a city. And, and eating horse poop. After And eating horse poop. That's I know. That's very. Never and it's all, <laughs> it's all after your team beats the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I feel like that's a, that should be somewhere in, like, the bylaws of America. If your team beats the Patriots in the Super Bowl, you have one day to do whatever you want. I think that's, you have one purge day and that's it. (laughs) Uh, And then the Flyers also beat the Canadians in the 2010 Eastern conference final. Of course, everybody, I think remembers that five games, Richard shift and gained five to tie up the game, leading ultimately to a win. And Michael Layton pitched three shutouts in that series. Cause why the fuck not? Uh, The three times (laughs) the Flyers lost uh, to the Canadians in the postseason 1973 semifinals, which back then was the round before the Stanley cup final and the, Canadians won the Stanley Cup that year, so nothing to worry about. Uh, Flyers were swept by the Canadians in 1976 Stanley Cup final. So, of course, that's a little fun fact. The Flyers went to three straight cups, could have had three straight, 
but face the fucking Canadian dynasty that won four in a row after that. Uh, hashtag nineteen seventy six. Four in a row. Yeah, hashtag nineteen seventy six. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then uh, in nineteen eighty nine, they lost in six games during the Prince of Wales Conference Final. That was the prop in game one, and then Hextall murdered Chelios at the end of the series. So that's uh, that's playoff history. And man, I uh, miss those conference names, and I miss and- Hextall taking out fools with his blocker. Oh my God. Danny got him pretty good with that hit, but those, yeah, those, those, the runs in 2008 and 2010 are the big reason why I yeah, started writing and stuff about the fires. Uh, 2008 too is like one of the lesser talk about runs, but that was a year after the shit storm that was 2006, 2007. And then they beat the caps, which is, I mean, that's always big news for me. And then they beat the, uh, beat the Canadians. Like two teams, I kind of just hate their fan bases, and they uh, they stuck it to them. So it was it was a nice run in 2008. We don't need to talk about the Eastern Conference Final that year. Just the first two series. That's, that's it. No, nothing else yeah, happened. That's that it. Year. Nothing else happened. They canceled it. Yeah. Uh the players, uh, players of the week. Players of the uh, week. So last week. week, last week, I was yet again correct in my assessment, and I chose Scott Lawton to continue being red hot and lo and behold scott lawton continued being red hot he almost had another goal too came ever so close but not so much but uh washington two goals one assist three points tampa bay one assist so that is four points over two games from my boy scott lawton god damn god damn then did i i picked phil myers i think you picked phil myers i believe and you know, I love Phil, but uh, no points in those two games. Goddamn, no points. Whatever. I mean, this is okay. So look, but it's clutch time now, Craig. I was gonna say we gotta have a conversation here because I like the Flyers. I don't know if you guys know that. You do. I think you like. I think you like the Flyers too. Uh, and in the best interest of the Flyers, you whoever you're picking, they listen and they're like, "Good, fuck Craig. We need to get we need to get Steve back on the scoreboard." <laughs> so what we got to do? Because I want the Flyers to win. And I'll put aside all the jokes about how bad I am predicting the games aside. You got to pick two people again. Like we got to, we got to do oh, wow. that. Cause we need, we need two. we need, I mean, if we get a week of two Scott Lawns for the last week, instead of Scott Lawn and uh, Phil Myers production, I know the Flyers will take it. So we need a, uh, they just playoff series. And we just talked about how the Flyers don't need that much help necessarily, but given that uh, Steve Jack and touch. <laughs> all right. Well, I I considered going with with Scott Lawton again, but you know you got to mix it up. You got to mix it up. You got to spread the wealth. Yeah. I'm going to go with one of his line mates of late, though, with Kevin Hayes. I think Kevin Hayes has been playing great. I think he's working really great with his uh his fellow jerk Travis Konechny. <laughs> Full jerk store line up there with uh, Lawton Konechny and Hayes together. Hyena uh, line, I believe, is uh what we're calling it now. I like that. I, I can get that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can get Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Never shut up. And <laughs> exactly. Connectly talking shit all the time. I can, so I can get behind that. Yeah. I'm going with Kevin Hayes. And my second pick, I am going to go with Kata Hot. Ooh, okay. All right. We don't choose well, a lot of goalies in this, but I uh, just love what I've seen from Hart so far. And I'm excited to see him go up against his his mentor, go up against his Obi Wan Kenobi. Hopefully, it ends better for him <laughs> than previous fights with uh, 
uh, somebody going up against their mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Don't spoil it for me. Don't spoil Revenge of the Sith from many, many years ago. Don't. I'm just, I got a DVR. I'm about to watch it right now. <laughs> I, the dialogue's very bad. Okay. All right. I'll see. I'll find out. But Kevin Hayes and Carter Hart is who I'm going with for my, my players of the week this week. And we shall see what happens. But I am excited to see what, what happens. Uh, this team is very hungry for playoff success. You can tell that they want it. You can tell that, I mean, it's not that other teams haven't wanted it. Like that's always been a a big joke of ours. It's just like, well, I just didn't want it enough, but like (laughs) there is a level of swagger. These guys have, there is a level of confidence and Uh, intensity that these guys bring that other flyers teams haven't necessarily brought. Like they just look like they believe in themselves, but it's not like overly believing in themselves, you know, like, uh, it's the appropriate amount. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, they're not getting ahead of themselves. But no, I agree. There's a certain air of confidence with this team that that's why I was like saying the idea behind, like, I'm not worried about the pitfalls that cost the Penguins. It's because I think the Penguins and Flyers are a lot different places right now when it comes in terms of like confidence. Uh, I think the Penguins may need a little more luck landing Lafreniere today than they realize. Uh, and I think this year they've kind of started slowing down and. I think this was the year I said I didn't really expect them to. I, I thought this might be the year that it finally catches up to them and they can't use Malkin and Crosby against the postseason. They almost did because Crosby was out and fucking Jari stood on his head forever. But I, I just think the Flyers are very confident right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think that that's a big, that's a big thing that's going into factoring the outcome of the series. Like, it doesn't look like they're. It, they're not nervous about what the Habs could do. They're pretty confident in what they're doing against the best teams in the league. Yep. <laughs> I think we've all, we said all we could possibly say on the matter. This podcast is 20 more minutes for, for a flyers forecast. This has been a mega podcast, now, but I have no look, regrets because this is a I, full series. Yeah. Review. Yes, you can. I was just going to, I was just, 35 more minutes about the icing differentials I found at the second pairs. No, you Here's can't. Why I, okay, all right. Let's just wrap it up then. Let's wrap it up. I think we have said our piece, but this has been great. I'm so excited to get to the playoffs. I'm so excited Hell that yeah. the NHL is actually nailing it so far with the bubble and COVID mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, you've got a note here that they completed the second week of its phase four oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. play with no positive test results for COVID-19 amongst the 7,245 tests administered. Testing was administered on a daily basis to all members of the club's 52 member traveling parties, including players during the period from August 2nd through August 8th. So that's awesome. The fact that they still have not had any positive ones. The bubble is working so far. Hopefully the bubble keeps on working. So I don't have to feel guilty about enjoying sports, but yeah, obviously for the help yeah. and the benefit of all the players instead of my enjoyment. But right. it's, yeah. it's great that they're, they're nailing it so far. It's, I did not expect the great. NHL to nail it and continue to yeah. knock on wood that it, it keeps going well. Yeah. I mean, I, I really can't believe that we're at this point. I remember, I remember my big fear being that once they got into the bubble, there's just going to be a bunch of stragglers. There's going to be like eight or nine positive tests, and then that'll be a, lead to a whole thing where whole teams forgetting it, like we saw with the Marlins. But the league, I got to give it to them. They really they cut out all 
the possibility of that happening. And now that they've gotten into the bubble, it seems uh, like the threat is always there, but they're doing all right right now. They're doing oh, pretty absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and the NBA has been doing a good job with it too, but even then mm-hmm. you had like Lou Williams from the, the Clippers yeah, go Williams out and, fun, you know, yeah. enjoy himself a little club action and have to get quarantined. So, so yeah, yeah. Always concerned. And we don't actually know beyond these updates from the NHL just how much is going on with the COVID because you have absolutely no indication of what's wrong with a guy when he's out of a game, which is yep. a policy they have uh, chosen to adopt for this. And all right, so be it. Uh, but hey, whatever. It's working so far, and I am very happy about that. So uh, we'll have full breakdowns of the rest of the playoff matchups and predictions on Fly Purpley later this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be recording that on Thursday evening for Friday, right, Craig? Yep. Yeah, and we'll have, uh, and I mean, we'll have more of a breakdown for game one, too. Uh, and. If I could uh, get in there and plug it, I'm hoping to have the goals article out by Thursday, uh, maybe Friday. I'm hoping I'm hoping Thursday though, uh, so then you can read it on Thursday and then watch the game on Friday rather than read game one on Friday and watch game two on Friday. If that makes sense, but yeah, I'm hoping for Thursday with that Friday. It'll be out before game two. All right, we'll keep an eye out for that and be sure to follow Craig on Twitter at Sports Are Bad if you wanna. Keep an eye out for that tangy tent. You can follow me at Estebaum or at Flyperbole, but for your hockey needs, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Be sure to check out all of the great podcasts that we have going on on Broad Street Hockey right now. Uh, we got checking out the competition with Kelly Hinkle. We have BSH Radio, the, you know, you know BSH Radio. Come on. Yeah, you know I'm BSH sure you Radio. Do. Come on, come on. Uh, and you got Bill Matz's post games, which are now on Twitch, so be sure to check those out. Uh, but yeah, that's all we got. But lots of great content coming out for you as the Flyers make their playoff push. And if you are a new Flyers fan uh, listening to this long-ass podcast and you have any questions, be sure to ask us on Twitter uh, if you're asking about one of our weird inside jokes like Big Al and the Ass Crew or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we will be sure to address what the hell we are talking about. But yeah. welcome if you are a newer Flyers fan. Welcome to the bandwagon. Welcome to the resistance. We're happy to have you. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you, by the way, if this is, you know, you are bandwagoning, you're welcome. But also don't ask us why the podcast is so long or you're off the bandwagon. Oh, that's the that, one question we don't want. No, that's. Yeah, it's, don't know. Fuck that. But you, you're welcome on the bandwagon. Yeah, enjoy the flyers. It's hockey. It's, yeah. it's I'll, I'll answer any other question about the podcast. I just won't <laughs> answer why it's so long because guess what? That's just the, that's the ride. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, you bought the ticket, enjoy the ride. So no more. You can't. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, can't alter this is it. it. So. <laughs> That's, that's, that's all it. I got. No, no takesies, spaxies. <laughs> all right, gang. That's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. <laughs>